Look at your neighbor and say, holy Dorito, what is he about to preach about? We're not preaching about Doritos today, although now I've planted the seed. I love Doritos, but if you gave me a bag of Doritos, I'd probably eat the whole thing and then I'd have to go to the emergency room. Okay, the rest of you have perfect GI health. That's it. I'm happy for you. If you can handle all that poison, God bless you. <laughs> it is such a privilege and an honor to bring the word to you today. We're in week two of our Unity series is what I have felt to title this series from the Lord and if I can, I want to speak to you from my heart for just a moment before we dive into the scripture. Um, I was sharing with some of our church leadership and our church elders and trusted friends and veterans of the faith before service this morning that uh, as I've prepared for this sermon today, I have felt such a strong burden in my heart. And just to be honest, I felt um, a grieving from the Lord. And so you may, that may seem odd to you, those things that I'm saying, but uh, without taking too long a rabbit trail, there is something that happens as a pastor or a minister that when you go into God's Word for the purpose of bringing the, the bread of the Word to feed God's people it's so amazing because you have to come to the word as a man as a person, as a woman you have to come, I come to the word just like you do and say God I need this I need it to minister to me, to feed me and then all at the same time I feel the burden and the sensation of what God wants to give to you all as his people And that's why being a pastor is such a privilege and an honor, and yet it comes with such a high demand. The Scripture says, He who would be a teacher, let him choose wisely, because you have to give an account for the things that you do and say as a teacher. And so as I've lived out my vocation this week, I have to be honest, I felt the grieving of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say some more about this in just a moment. And so today is going to be different. Today is not for the faint of heart. But I love you enough as your pastor that I'll risk making you mad to see that you have everything that God has said that you can have. I'll fight for you even to the point that I'll fight against you if I have to because I love you. And so please don't be apprehensive or be afraid of what I've just said, that my objective today is to offend you or insult you, because it is not. My only objective today is to glorify God and to shine a spotlight on His truth, that whether you like it or not, it is the truth of the universe. And whether I like it or not, it is the truth of the universe and so I'm going to warn you that if you take today's sermon alone you'll be left wanting this sermon was meant to fit into 
the series of the month. And I strongly encourage you, I'm on purpose going to leave you hanging this week. And if you don't come back next week, then you're just going to be left afloat. And so I am going to on purpose hook you and entice you to come back next week, not so I can notch my belt, but because sometimes it takes longer than 30 minutes to explain the mysteries of the universe. (laughs) So before I read a scripture today, could we pray? So if you wouldn't mind, pray with me and pray for me today. Is that okay? Lord, we come before you as your people. And Lord, we humble ourselves before the throne and before the name of Jesus today. Lord, we declare and we recognize that your way is the best way. And Lord, we open our hearts to hear and to receive from you. Lord, my response to your word today is yes and amen. Lord, I ask that you help me and that you anoint me to teach and to preach your truth and your word. Lord, put me on like a coat and wear me. And help me to speak as an oracle of God. Lord, we promise you all the glory and the honor. And we put our trust in your word that it will do what it has always done. And that it will guide us, keep us, and feed us. And that it will change our lives forever. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Men, thank you for praying with me. So I have several passages of Scripture that we want to read today, and we'll be, we'll be examining, thank you, Sarah, we'll be examining uh, these passages of Scripture for the next two weeks. And so our theme verse for the series of unity comes from Psalm 1 and 33. And it simply says this, How good and how pleasant it is. When God's people dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, and running down on the beard of Aaron, down even onto the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For God commands or he bestows his blessing and even life forevermore. And so the psalmist is poetic in his language and he's saying that when we live in unity, God will command a blessing. And so sometimes I believe we think that the blessings of God are like winning a spiritual powerball and that you might get one or you might not. But the scripture is telling us that when you choose to live a certain way, God will command for your life to be blessed, and and I'm not meaning to take a rabbit trail, only to be redemptive and simply say this, that sometimes the blessing doesn't always show up in your checking account, although sometimes it does. Sometimes the real blessings of God are His anointings on your life, and His anointing is His ability to do His work. And that's a pretty profound statement. If you don't understand the significance of what I just said, I encourage you to take some time and go think about 
what I just said. It is amazing and it is precious. It's more precious than gold to have the anointing of God on your life, to have the ability to do God's things with His power. I can tell you from experience, nothing will break you faster, nothing will make you miserable faster than to try to do God's work with your ability. And if I may, you may be waiting for the main point of the sermon, but I promise you we've already started. The boat has left the pier. Something I want to say to us all about anointing is that it is precious. It is more precious than gold. It's the anointing that causes the Red Sea to part with nothing more than a word. And so many other examples like that that we read all along through the scripture, but something I would say about anointing is that because it is God's ability to do his work, he's very careful and very guarded about who he trusts to share in his anointing with him. And so I'm I'm gonna be quite frank with you this morning. It's difficult for you to be all alone all the time and to have God's anointing. Because what the scripture is saying is that when you show you're willing to live in unity, God starts looking and says, see, right there's a man that I can trust. He understands that the heart behind my anointing is to minister to other people. God don't make you a holy man just to be all by yourself and glow in the dark in your closet. God gives you anointing for you to go out into the world and to share his power and to do his work. A great way for you to build and develop God's trust in your life is to choose to live a life of unity. Nothing will show you who you are faster than committing and devoting yourself to living life in a group of people and committing yourself to love them and cherish them the way that God does. You will find out quick that you have the same amount of pride as all the rest of us. See, sometimes when I'm by myself, I get to thinking I'm pretty humble, that I'm doing just fine all by myself, but then you go to staff meeting, or you go to the outreach, or you go to the band practice, or the usher training, and you start to figure out real quick that I'm not as humble as I thought I was because I wanted to choke that guy. Have you ever seen people or been around people in church that just watching them breathe makes you frustrated? I know that you all have mortified your flesh and you have denied yourself and picked up your cross and you have no idea the things that I'm talking about. And for all of you prideful folk, we'll circle back in a minute. But I believe that in the rest of the humble, honest crowd, you would be honest and say, there are some people that I'm aggravated by what they say before they even say it. And then when they go to tell a story, I start thinking, I wish I was at the dentist. There are some people, rather than go to lunch with them, I'd rather have a root canal. I don't just need God's anointing to worship. I just don't need God's anointing to preach. I just don't need God's anointing to live my life. I need God's anointing to live life in unity. And don't you know that there's only one person who can make that possible, and that is Jesus who has died for all people, 
all through history, all nations, all colors, and all creeds. Jesus died for all to unite us. And His church is a place where we lay down all of our preference. We pick up His way and His heart and we say it doesn't matter who you are, what your past is. What your political preference may be, I will worship with you. I will pray with you, and I will love you. The church is the place where we are called and mandated to practice and experience God's desired unity for the human race. What I just said was worth you getting out of bed today. And so we have to start the discussion of unity at the foot of the cross And yet we have to also recognize that to truly experience unity, to see it worked into our lives and into our thinking, our feeling, our choosing, to see it work its way into our culture and our communities, we have to be much more intentional to lean in, to bore down and dig deep. And so in the interest of digging deeper, let's read some more scripture together. So I'd like to read from you Genesis 1. Verses 26 and 28. And it says this, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Look at your neighbor and say, You're Lord of the creeps. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God made the world wild on purpose. So that we would have something to subdue. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves. I just need to remind somebody, you've got dominion over the fish of the sea, but you better be smart how you go about it. Because great white sharks, the ocean is their turf. And if you try to fight a shark like a shark, you're going to lose every single time. Okay. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Thank you for being patient, but I believe it's all right to read Scripture in the house of God. The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Yes, ma'am. There's some women of faith. You call that for what it was. That preacher preaching the truth. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper or a help meet fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So God and man are working together in creation. The man gave names to all livestock and to all birds of the heaven and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. 
and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Is there any men of God in here that's happily married that... We're just going to take a redemptive rabbit trail. We're going to testify for just a moment. God is good, and I am so glad that he brought to me bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Whew. Mm. You keep looking at me, we'll dismiss right now. My Lord above. Mm. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. I'm still believing for God to work that revelation in me. Sometimes you see that mirror and that shame be creeping up on you, but Adam and Eve, they didn't know about this shame. I just need to let the religious folk know that if you just got uncomfortable, you might as well order you a chili dog and a Route 66 from Sonic. You might as well just go into the house now because it's going to get worse before it gets better. I come to tell the truth to some real-world, barbecue-eating, Oklahoma, prairie-dwelling people. I didn't come to preach today to the milk-toast, sissy-dog, double-clutching, Mickey Mouse crowd. I came to speak to some people who they want to hear the gospel today. And so in talking about unity today, part one of two parts within the series, I want to talk to you today about male and female. Male and female. I believe this, that there's a lot of talk going on in our world today about that the races are against one another. And there is some validity to that discussion. However, I do believe that in some ways it's not quite as bad as what we have been led to believe. And part of what convinces me is what lays before my eyes as I stand here today. People not just of different color, but all nationalities in one place to worship God. And thank the Lord for it. And I do believe that the tactic of the enemy is to distract us. Distraction is just a flavor of deception, and wherever deception has long to work, you can be sure that death will show up not long after. And so I want to shine a spotlight on something I think that he doesn't want us to talk about and something that he wants us to settle for. When God hasn't called us to settle, he has called us to thrive. And so I need to let you know something today that Christians cannot and should not be mentally lazy. 
And I think that we have confused a desire to be loving with the practice of making the gospel comfortable for everyone. And so we think being kind is not offending or running the risk of offense. And what I want to say is that when I look at the world today, we have chosen to live in what's comfortable. And what it has led to is that we are confused about what God has made clear. And so I'm going to be really honest with you. When I look at a world that we're confused about male and female, then that tells me that the people of God have been quiet for too long. And so I'm going to take time today to talk about some details that are going to require you to activate, wake up, and use your brain. You're going to have to do some mental work for yourself, trusting that the life that comes from it will sustain you and protect your family. And so the reason why we're going to talk about details is because in the details is where we find divinity. And so many times the enemy in our laziness wants us to fly over the ways of God at 30,000 feet and we don't extract or live by the true value of God's word and his world. And then the final thing I want to say to the gay churches I launch here is that the word requires a response. And I love you enough to let you know that you can't hear the word of God and then go home and say, well, I'm going to figure out how I feel about that and whether or not I believe that. You run a great risk when you do this of becoming your own God, of worshiping your own self and worshiping your own intellect. There is an authority that lies within Scripture where Jesus himself said, Heaven and earth will all pass away before one word of this fails to come to pass. I need to let somebody know today that the authority of these words and the holiness of this book is an eternal authority that it lives on whether you like it or not. And if you go home today and you want to debate it and argue with it, you'll find yourself wanting but if you embrace it and feed on it, it will bring life to you and life to your family. And so I want to draw a diagram for you if I can. God is God. He is all by himself in the beginning. He is the source. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He always has been. He always will be. There is nothing that has ever been that did not first originate in his mind. There's nothing in existence that did not first exist in his imagination. Man didn't invent cars. One day we got the idea of mobility from God. God put everything in the earth that we would ever need. You didn't invent recipes. God invented recipes. And so what did he do? He said, I'm going to put cinnamon on the earth, and one day they're going to figure out how to use it. And so God knows things about creation that, you, that we have not figured out yet. So right now, we've just now figured out how to use oil for energy. And God's saying, there's all kinds of energy in the universe because I'm the source of all energy and all life. So God was all by himself, and I'm taking time to make that point for a reason we're going to get into here in just a moment. So God says to himself, let us make man in our image. And so we have man. And so God is bringing forth all the animals of creation. And so Adam and God are together 
participating in creation. He's allowing Adam to dictate particular details of creation. But God is looking one day and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And I like to imagine this, that Adam began to recognize that there's two of the lions, there's two of the elephants, Two of the giraffes, two of the wildebeest, male and female, see, they go, to, they go together. Two of the birds, two, two. But then he looks around, and there's only one of him. And I can just imagine, so this is my imagination. You let, new create, you let the Garden of Eden be wherever you want to be. I personally believe that the Garden of Eden was in Africa. If you've ever been to Africa, I'm just, you just go there, and you're like, this is where it all began. That's how I feel. I had that conversation with someone the other night at dinner. So I can just imagine Adam traveling across the Serengeti. And he's looking, where's, where's, my, where's my help? Where's the one that's like me? And there's nothing. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so we're going to keep preaching just a little bit right here. God puts man to sleep. To make woman. Because he didn't want Adam to mess it up. In there lies a great truth, men. Our job ain't to make the women, form the women. Or fix the women. God is capable of making woman all by himself. I didn't make her. I told you it's going to get worse before it gets better. I didn't make the woman. God did. And so this is what God did. He lays Adam down and puts him to sleep so he don't mess it up. And out of Adam's rib, using Adam's rib, he forms her. And so now this is what we have. And I find it very interesting that Adam gets to continue his role. And that it's Adam who names Eve. And he says, you are woman. So he didn't make her, but he gets to name her. I'm already preaching if you're smart. The wheels are already turning. So you don't get to make her, but you get to recognize and dictate who she's going to be in your life. And so something we have to establish and agree on from the very jump. And that is that God made us different to complement, support, and protect each other, not compete with one another. The world says that we are at odds, but God says, no, you complement each other. Remember last week, I let you in on a great secret of the universe, that it's one of God's mysteries how he likes to make things different and then put them together. And that matching is not unity. The conditions of unity are when we are different and God puts us together. Here's a great example. 
Our God is a triune God, a three-part being that never disagrees and always complements each other, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The mysteries of God, things that are different, and they complement each other perfectly. And so I'm about to talk to you about some scientific, natural details of life in the created world. But as we discuss this, you need to remember that we're talking about generalities. The scientific word would be a continuum or a scale. And here's what it means. Is that if over here is very female and over there is very male, that there is a scale and that there's always an exception to the rule. Here's a great example. It would be easy for us to say that men are generally better at tennis than women. But Venus and Serena Williams are better at tennis than 99% of men. Let me just, 99.9% of men. Do you see the difference? Generally, the big part of the scale, we can extrapolate one truth. But there's always an exception to the rule. So we may say, most men are here, but there is a scale of what that looks like and sounds like. Are you ready to go to school? From the moment of conception, males have an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. Females have two X chromosomes from the moment of conception. At around 6 to 12 weeks, babies in the womb experience a hormone wash that determines generally where someone will fall on this scale or continuum. Males in the womb have a very heavy testosterone wash. And so much so that ladies, after giving birth to sons, may even experience testosterone deficiencies later in life in their own body because they've given so much to their sons. Generally, females in the womb have a much lighter hormone wash. Males in our brains and in our bodies have 18 unique genes that females do not have. Females have 36 unique genes that men do not have. Men in our brains, we have six and a half times more gray matter in our brains. Now, you ready for this one? Women have 900% more white matter in their brains than men. You picking up what I'm putting down? Gray and white matter does not affect IQ, intelligence, or mental performance. It affects the way we think, feel, choose, and process. And so men having much gray matter, we generally have very poor left and right brain connections. 
That means that when you're talking to a man, all the wives are about to jump up and shout and run a lap. <laughs> that means when you're talking to your husband, he is almost certainly not listening to you with his whole brain. Ladies, you go in to see the manager at work and you're trying to explain to him the details and you can tell I'm talking to the wall because he's only using half his brain. But here's what that does create is that men are deep processors. Deep processors. More about that in a moment. And because ladies have much white matter in their brains, they have very high left and right brain connections. And so ladies experience deep connection to the world around them, to the people around them. I know that there's never been a husband who put the blue towels in the white bathroom and you got a response from your wife and you went, what's the big deal? It's a towel. But she's deeply connected to even the towels in the house. Is there any men? Just but be, be respectful about it. But any men will say, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so men's emotional center of our brain is connected to our spinal cord. That means when we feel an emotion, we won't do something about it. So when a man is feeling good from work, he just got a promotion and a pay raise, what's he going to do? He's going to get in his car, and he's going to turn on the Leonard Skinner all the way up to 12, turn on Freebird, fast forward to 4 minutes and 58 seconds, and what's he going to do? I'm driving 80 all the way home. Woo! Because his spinal cord lights up with happiness and with joy. And so what happens when daddy comes home? Daddy, daddy, daddy. He grabs the kids and gives them a bear hug and spins them around. Because his spinal cord is activated. Stevie Ray Vaughan used to sing in one of his songs. I think there's some prairie people knows about Stevie Ray Vaughan. He'd say, if you mess with her, talking about his girl, you're going to see a man get mean. And so when a man sees a woman or a child being abused, what happens? In a flash, he's moving. Or we see dads and the babies are about to fall, and what do they do? So fast, and they'll grab the baby at the last second. Why? Their emotion triggered their spinal cord, and they moved before they ever thought what they were doing. Females, uh, ladies, their emotional center in their brain is deeply connected all through their brain, but it's connected to this. And so when ladies feel something, what do they need to do? I need to talk about it. I need to communicate what it is that I'm feeling because I'm feeling so strongly about what's going on. You know the preacher come to tell the truth today. And so when she feels it, what? I need to talk about it. I know that there ain't no married people who the wife is trying to talk to the man and he's wanting to do something about it. She says, I don't need you to fix it. I need you to listen. You're getting him stirred up and he's like, I will go down and I will suplex Sharon right off of the copier if she keeps giving you attitude. 
And you're saying, calm down, Ricky. I don't want you to fight anybody. I just want you to feel what I am feeling. That good preaching right there. That's why in the church, when the preacher preaches good, the men are like, let's build a building. Let's build. We got to do, we got to build something. And the women are like, oh, yes, Lord, I'm going into my prayer closet to pray. I'm glad that we built the buildings, and I am really glad that they is praying ladies, praying mamas, and praying grandmas, that they, when they can't get a man to listen, they will go to God knowing that God always hears them. Amen. That's good preaching. Now, the male brain is wired for 15 times the amount of testosterone as the female brain. Not only does he have more testosterone, he has more testosterone receptors in his brain. And a man goes through about a 48-hour cycle where every 48 hours those, that testosterone will peak and then it will crash. That's why after a, a five-day work week, generally Friday afternoon, the man is quite low. He's tired. He doesn't have a lot to say. He's mellow. He wants to relax is because that cycle has happened twice and he's now reached the bottom of it. And so men, um, the moment that men are married, this is an amazing phenomenon. There's two major instances in your life where this will happen for a man. It's when you're married and usually every time you give birth to a child, but particularly your first child, your testosterone level will drop and a neurochemical called vasopressin comes to life in the man, and it gives the man a sensation of what? I want to care and protect for this thing. So when a man makes certain decisions in his life, the chemical reality in his brain changes. Good preaching right there. There's some men in here, the moment you got married, you will say, I don't know what, but something changed. And then I know there's lots of dads in this room that when you had your first baby, all of a sudden I quit caring about hot rod cars and always playing softball with the boys and having to go down on Friday night to hang out with the boys and doing all that. I wanted to come home and be with my family. That's because chemically something changed in your brain when you made that decision. Vasopressin causes a man to protect and care for special things in his life. Females have far less testosterone, but they have exceptionally high amounts of a chemical called oxytocin. Oxytocin. And what that chemical does for females is generally makes you feel good. And so when a woman talks and makes eye contact, when she connects and when she has gentle touch, she experiences exceptionally high levels of oxytocin in her brain. And so ladies get deep fulfillment from knowing that I'm heard. I was listened to. I gave attention to my spouse, to my friends, even to my mama and to my babies. There's a deep, deep sense of satisfaction that comes with that oxytocin. So much so we could say the female brain becomes flooded with it. Oxytocin is a bonding and a comfort hormone. 
And so ladies, when you put the newborn baby into the arms of the mother and she holds the newborn on her chest, and so we all are envisioning this scene in the hospital, her brain is flooded. One of the peak times in her life, her, her brain will be deeply flooded with this chemical. And what does it do? It marks her the rest of her life. That's why when you drop that little baby off to go for its first day in the third grade, mama will start crying. Because she's feeling things that you don't understand. And the dads are like, just let them go. They'll be fine. And the mom said, that's my baby. Why? She felt things for that baby that you didn't feel. I'm preaching really good right here in the gate church. Men have very low levels of oxytocin. And in a different setting, I'll tell you when it is that men feel the most oxytocin. It's at a very special time, and it doesn't last for very long. That's why men like it so much. It's one of the only times we experience that. So we've talked some about chemicals and hormones in the brain. But did you know that even the cellular makeup of our eyes are different? And that men tend to have tunnel vision. Women tend to have a wider range of vision. Here's what that means. You can send him to get the cheese out of the fridge, and what does he do? Where's the cheese at? I can't find it. And you walk in, and you're like, it's right there. Because he was tunneling in on the barbecue sauce and couldn't see the cheese. And because our cells are different, men tend, we could say this, remember, on the scale, don't be offended, but men tend to be a better driver at night because they tunnel vision on the road. But once again, they can't find the cheese in the fridge. And so men are built and wired to be very focused, particularly on the things that we're looking at. So when I get fixated on something, when you hand me the football, all I see in the line is the hole where I'm supposed to run. And anything that gets between me and that end zone, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> Tunnel vision. But females have a deep capacity for multitasking. Here's a great example. Mamas can be in the kitchen, washing the dishes, watching Rachel Ray, listening to the kids playing, and the second that we go from play screaming to I am hurt screaming, mom hears it. And she can do what? Answer the phone in the middle of all that while she's going to fix the kids. Because what? Her whole brain is working. Bing, 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 bing. Taking in all this information connected to all these things. And what do men do? We're watching the TV and our buddy calls to see, did we just see that play on the game? We'll pause the TV and go, hello. <laughs> yeah, I just saw it. Yeah, that was great. All right, see it. Turn the game back on. We can't do two things at once. Can I get any men to wave at me that you hated 2020 because you want me to talk on the phone and drive at the same time? People are crazy. How many men were stressed out during COVID trying to work from home on the computer and watch the kids? I don't know about you. I was like, Holly, how big a ring you want? I'll buy it. 
don't make me have to stay home and watch these kids and work at the same time. I can't do it. I cannot do it. One thing at a time. And so men will make great babysitters. Just disconnect the TV before you leave them. Men, how many times have you been watching the game, trying to listen to the babies, and what happens? The kids are almost about to kill each other, and what does the man say? Hey, y'all quit that. (laughs) Why? Focus on one thing at a time. So our nerves are different. I promise, just hang with me. Yes, I know it's a lot, but we're headed somewhere. Our nerves are different in our bodies. Men can endure much more pain. (laughs) That man just bought himself a one-way ticket to the (laughs) doghouse. We're going to be having special prayer for Felix Batista after church today. (laughs) Men can endure much more pain in our bodies. We can keep going and press on. I know what y'all are already thinking. Trust me, we're going to get there. (laughs) Men can endure much more pain in our bodies. But did you know this? That when women are caressed, she experiences 10 times the amount of oxytocin in her brain than men. So let me give you a song to help you remember what I'm saying. Uh, in In the name of the great prophetess Shania Twain, she said... I see you've got the moves, but have you got the touch? Because all that won't keep me warm in the middle of a long, cold, lonely night. What is she singing about? You can have the moves, but have you got the touch? And so men don't respond to touch in the same way as ladies and all the adults said, Amen. And so in men, our sense of smell is generally not as sensitive as the ladies. Ladies, their sense of smell is very sensitive, especially when they are pregnant. And so a man could put on a pair of socks and go, oh, that one's got a hole in it. Take them off and throw them back in the cupboard. And the wife can come by the cupboard two days later and go. She'll say, did you put these dirty socks back in the drawer? Because she will smell. Our taste is different. Men taste food and drink differently. Men's taste tends to lean towards salty and sour taste. And ladies are capable of tasting very complex things, things that are bitter. That's why ladies sometimes invent the best recipes. is because they have a complex palate that allows them to mix and match and bring forth amazing taste. And so we talk about the same amount, but we talk very differently. Men tend to talk in headlines. How was your day? Good. And he thinks that is a perfectly acceptable answer. It was good. Just a good day. We got done what we needed to get done. It was productive. He's done. That's all. But what do ladies want to know? Everything. So you go to a wedding together. What color was her dress? The man said, it's white. It's white. But what does the lady say? 
Oh, it was a, I don't even know the lingo. It was a certain kind of wedding dress, and it had lace, and it had this kind of sewing in it. It tapered out at the back, and it was, oh, why? Because she sees, and her whole brain is picking these things up, and so she wants to communicate all of these things. And so ladies speak in fine print. The focusing on details. And ladies love to speak about feelings, how it made me feel. And men like to speak about ideas. Men are wired to solve problems. And ladies are wired to have conversation. So as I've already discussed, you start telling your man about a problem. And what does he want to do? He wants to fix it. He wants to solve it. And you're saying, no, I just want to talk to you about this. I don't need you to fix it. I need you to feel what I'm feeling. I'll just help some marriages. Big, big, big time right there. And so men have a box that they can go into mentally called the nothing box. Come on, men. Bark at me a little bit. I'm helping us. I'm helping us. We got a nothing box. And when we go there and you ladies, you say, what are you thinking about? Nothing. He telling the truth. He's not thinking about nothing. And ladies go, how can that be true? My whole brain works all the time. I'm feeling so good and so connected to everything all the time. You can't have a nothing box. That's impossible. And man is going, oh, baby, we in the nothing box. That is a real place. And so men have a nothing box, but ladies will say, do you remember what you said when we were dating and we were at the beach? And men go, which beach was it? <laughs> I remember what you was wearing when we was at the beach. I don't know if I remember what I said. Why is that? She's connected to what you said. She remembers the details. And so this is funny, but uh, Holly and I are like this with our wedding. I have uh, three memories from my wedding. And I was standing about right here. There used to be steps where I'm standing now. I was standing about right here, and I remember when Holly came through them double doors right there. Uh, and I, I cried. Okay, I did. Whew. She had me. I remember. I will never forget that, how I felt when she walked through that door. Uh, I remember her dad crying like a baby at the thought of having to give her away to a rough old fellow like me. <laughs> and then I remember other things later on in the day quite well. Holly remembers what I was wearing, who the bridesmaids were, what the food was, what we were singing. She remembers what was going on the day before, and I honest to God, I don't remember. We had a great joke the other day because Holly said, do you remember Eva sang this song in our wedding? I said, Eva sang in our wedding? <laughs> I did not remember. I was like, show me the video. I, Eva did not sing. I, yes, she did. I don't remember. I didn't remember. But Eva did sing in our wedding. Nah. And so men's minds, our nerves, they help us to analyze and understand 3D spatial things. A great example is men generally tend to be okay at reading a map. But what does a lady want to do when she reads the map? Turn, turn it so that it's the way, I want, it, I want it to be oriented the way I am facing. That's why Google Maps works so good. Can I, can I just say something? Men, before the internet, we were very happy with our road atlas and compass. Women is like, give me a phone that will show me. I don't need all that. Just show me the way. And so men, we're wired to compete. 
So you get a bunch of guys hanging around, and in just about five minutes, they're going to be competing about something. Who can eat the most wings? Who can recite the most baseball statistics? Who can still throw the football clear over the mountains? We're going to be competing about something. But women, ladies, like to cooperate with each other. Keep hanging with me. We're going somewhere. You're almost there. Even our bodies are different. The makeup of our bodies. This is very short, I promise. Did you know this? That men's bones are stronger and more dense. Male muscle is different than female muscle. It's more dense and male muscle is stronger per pound than female muscle. Because of this, the male metabolism is much higher than the female metabolism. So all that heavy muscle and all that heavy bone, when it starts working, what happens? We start burning fuel faster. And you say, well, that sounds like you're dealing the ladies a negative. Not so much because men may be better equipped for survival. But our species would not survive without the female ability to bring new life into the world. Men may be stronger, but we die sooner. And so the, the female body may be more delicate, but it lives longer. That's why a male life insurance policy is always more expensive than a female one. Because we know he's going to die young. The female may live for on and on forever. And so the male body is very strong and very rigid. But the female body is capable of great adaptation and change that's required for new life to come into the earth if the band you will come. So I've taken time to talk about science and biology today because remember the details show us the divine. Understanding how fundamentally different we are on every level leads us to some conclusions that say this. Men and women don't see the same, think the same, feel the same, or choose the same. Eve wasn't brought out of Adam's head to rule over him. Eve wasn't brought out of his foot so that Adam could dominate her. Eve was brought out of Adam's side to stand by his side. Because we aren't built to compete, we're built to complement each other. Something we need to remember as believers. That God knew us before we were in our mother's womb, according to Scripture. And it is in our mother's womb that God formed us. You didn't choose the gender that you were born into, neither did your parents. I told you this is not for the faint of heart. No amount of hormones, surgery, clothing, or mannerism modification can change your genes, your neurological programming, or your unique cellular program. If you were born a man, you will endure hardships uniquely, and you will live in a broken world. If you were born a woman... You will endure hardships uniquely, and you will live in a broken world. If you were born a man, you are blessed because you carry the image of God. If you were born a woman, you are blessed because you carry the image of God. 
the male gender is redeemed and redefined at the foot of the cross. The female gender is redeemed and redefined at the foot of the cross. With the wisdom of Christ and the love of the Father flowing through us, men and women, we can live, work, and eat together. We can respect and honor one another. We can worship God and serve one another together. I would say this for this congregation and for any person who's listening to my voice. Where man is weak, woman is strong. And where woman is weak, man is strong. When we come together, not just in marriage, but men and women, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters inside the body of Christ, then and only then do we take on the full image of our Creator God. And at no point do you get to opt out or choose what your gender will be. Are there difficulties that we face? Has human brokenness in its search to be filled, have we gone to extremes to find something, to find anything that will put us back together to make me feel like me? Yes. While we hold this truth as evident and we hold it in one hand, we must hold in the other hand mercy and compassion that broken people are and will continue to be desperate. The answer is the truth and love of Jesus Christ. And so I would say this, if you've ever been confused about your gender, if you have ever felt yourself unrooted or ungrounded, the safest place and the best place for you to find yourself is the house of God. How can a man be a man if he's separated from his Creator? How can a woman be a woman if she is separated from her Creator? And so we as God's people have two obligations. Always speak the truth in love. Always speak the truth in love. And always walk in love towards one another and the world around us. And so now, if I can, I want to speak to the congregation of the Gate Church that you call this your home and your family. This war is not waged on social media. Don't let the internet become your pulpit or your platform. Let your deeds and your words that are lived out in reality be your sermon and your platform. And I would remind you of this truth that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
And so it is my job and my responsibility to lay the framework of righteous action with the boundaries of Scripture. That's why I've taken time today to lay out not just Scripture, but also science that confirms Scripture. But my admonishment to you is to not take these facts and data and weaponize them. Let them be your assurance that God's world is as He made it. And so you can go forth into your world and love the broken around you. Because you know this thing is going in the direction that God wants it to go. Demonstrate love. And when the time is right, communicate verbally the love. Does that feel all right? If sermons alone would do the job, we'd have arrived. My hope today is that I inspire you and give you confidence to know that God's Word is in fact true. And all that I ask that you do with that confidence is that you love boldly and ferociously. Give compassion. Give mercy. And may I remind you, judge not lest you be judged. Does that mean that we don't call a thing for what it is? No. Speak the truth. Judgment isn't always in the lips, it's in the heart. And so remember that there are many who struggle with problems and things that are quite complex. And you may look at some people's struggles and say, I don't understand, I don't see it. You don't have to. You still have to walk in love, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. Those things create the environment for true life change to happen. Does that feel all right to you all? Thank you for being so patient. You say, that doesn't feel like a whole lot of sermon. That was a mouthful of sermon. Thank you. I strongly encourage you to return next week. I wrote two sermons at once yesterday so that they would link together nicely. Help me be in prayer this week. And that not only will we understand these truths, but that the gay church will be able to export these truths. Not so we can create an echo chamber, but so we can create a place where people's lives will be touched and changed forever. Now here's what I'd like to do today. If you don't mind, right where you're at, if you would stand with me, please. And so many of us as believers, as male and female, there's been many opportunities in all of our lives for us to resent the other gender. We've been hurt, we've been abused by people of the opposite sex. I've lived in church my whole life and I've seen it play out a thousand times. A good place for all of us to start would be to search our own heart and say, God, where have I held resentment or animosity, anger or frustration towards the women in my life or towards the men in my life? Because you'll never be able to receive the gift of females into your life when you as a man have animosity towards them. 
Ladies will never be able to receive the full gift that lies within men when we're angry and bitter towards them. A tragic mistake would be that because one or two women in your life hurt you, that you judge all the rest. Ladies, it would be a great tragedy to cut out the men in your life because one or two hurt you bad. And so where I'm leading us to is that this house and this body will not just beat our war drum, but that we'll also go to our altar and say, God, work in me first. And before I try to point out the toothpick in my brother's eye, I'll ask God to help me with the telephone pole in my, in my own. Because I know that in this room there are some marriages where resentment is alive and well. There's relationship between father and daughter and mother and son where anger is alive and well. And our response to the word is for us to build our own altar and say, God, forgive me. And God, cleanse me where I have done wrong. And so I want you to pray with me today. I'm going to lead us in a corporate prayer. I encourage you to use your own words, but... Pray along with me if you get lost. If you don't know what to pray, you can pray what I pray. But I encourage you all today to pray with me. Father God, we come before you as your church, as sons and daughters of God. And God, I'm grateful that you made me the way that you did. You made Jordan a man because that's what you thought was best. And Lord, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful you made me who I am. God, I know I got limitations, but I'm glad for the strengths that you did give me. And God, I pray this today as a man and as a husband and a father and a pastor. God, I pray this, that if there's areas in my life where I've had anger or resentment towards women in my life, Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent. I choose to repent. I choose to humble myself as a man and as a pastor. And Lord, no matter who we are in here today, we may be single or married, male or female. Lord, we all say this, Holy Spirit, show us in our heart if we've judged wrongly, if we've understood wrongly, perceived wrongly. Lord, if I have created judgments or vows against the opposite gender. Lord, if I've condemned my own gender for their shortcomings and failings. God, forgive me. Lord, I see in your scripture where you made us intentionally male and female and that we both come from you and bear your image. Lord, forgive me if I've used the strength you've given me and weaponized it against others. And Lord, I choose today to forgive the people in my life who've hurt me people who use their strength their what should have been a God-given ability they took it they bent it and they whip, weaponized it against me God I forgive them I release it and I let it go God I don't I don't want them I can, they can't pay me back God but Lord I ask today that you fill me up the void that was created in my life where dad or men in my life didn't do what they should do or God the void that was created where women didn't do what they should have done God I forgive them and I say fill me up God because God before man and woman were you were you are the source of all of our life 
Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Now I need you to do something. If you're a man in the room, don't be weird, don't be awkward, and don't ask for no phone number. But find a lady sitting right next to you and say, God bless you, woman of God. I am so glad that you're in my life. Go ahead, men. God bless you, woman of God. I'm so glad that you're in my life. All right now, ladies. Don't you be asking for no numbers neither. But look at that man who's nearby and say, God bless you, man of God. I'm so glad that you're in my life. Holly and I love you. The team here at the gate loves you. God loves you and ain't nothing you can do about it. Go and be blessed. Hey, Gate Church family. My name is Eva, and my husband and I serve on the vision team here at the Gate. And we just want to thank you for joining us today, whether you're watching now or you're going to watch this rebroadcast later. We believe that the Lord is speaking to you. There are many things that Pastor Jordan touched on today. And I believe that the heart of the Father is one of unity. I believe that he desires that he mentioned the anointing is coupled with unity and that we walk in that way in each and every single part of our lives. And so I just believe that by his power right now, he's already moving. He's already reconciling, reconciling some things on the inside of us. And you need to know today that when he created you, he made no mistake. When he created you, his special mark of ownership was on your life and you have purpose. And I pray that that be awakened on the inside of you. Thank you for tuning in with us this week. We hope to see you next Sunday. Please like this. Please comment. Please share. Listen, if we can pray for you in any way, let us know in the comments. We would love to agree with you. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior and you want to do that, let us know. We'd love to pray for you. If you have a special need, we want to be there to support you, to love you. Thank you for tuning in with us. We will see you right here next Sunday at 10 a.m.